RMN Behaving Badly, a topical, political, and especially festive podcast about mental health in the UK. Your host, Stuart McKenzie, and me, Ed Freshwater. Welcome to the show. Good evening, Stuart. How are you? I'm fabulous now that we've started. We're only 10 minutes behind time, so we'll soon get caught up. And um, whatever. W- w- welcome to everybody. Thank you. Oh, there's some lovely harps. Carmel's got her, her Christmas tree hat on there, either that or she's growing some horrible type sepsis thing on the top of her head. <laughs> um, how about you, Ed? Yeah, moving on. Uh, <laughs> Sherry Pierce is doing the washing or something. There, oh, she just comes back. Hi, Shelly. That's a good nurse skill there. She's in for the comedy night doing the washing, multitasking, putting the tumble dryer on. Do you know who she is? She's she's the one that, while everybody else is sat around bitching about the state of things, she's the one that's actually going out and doing like the meds round and writing up the notes and all of that. So thanks very much. <laughs> yeah. If you could just is write Jill the outro for saxophone? me, by the way, that would be great. Is Jerry Burgoyne playing her saxophone? She Andrews. probably is. Andrews. Yeah, that's Susan Morrison. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Can I just ask, what's wrong with Carmel Little Boyle's head? <laughs> you know, many of us have asked that question over many years, <laughs> and despite 435,000 I mean, uh, nurse members, nobody's ever been able to answer it. I admire, admire it. It's a bold choice, Carmel. You stick with it, honey. That's, let's just I see think we should all look. wish Carmel get well soon because Carmel's joined us um, and has been in hospital. So, Carmel, get well soon. Lots of love. Yeah. Get, oh, get yeah. Chin, chin, chin. So, what have we got tonight, Ed? Don't know. I haven't written it yet. All right. Okay. I've had quite so, a busy day. Uh, to get started with, we've got the fabulous John Scott, Susan Morrison, and Susie McCabe joining us to give us some comedy. Um, we're hopeful that some of you are going to share your uh, Christmas work stories with us. If anybody's got a, a funny Christmas story, I know that I have one of um, caring for Santa and Jesus on the same day. And many mental health nurses will also share that experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whatever you do, please don't share anything that's going to get you struck off because this is going to be... I'm on, I'm on, I'm on. I know that there are many Santas out there, so I think it would be quite difficult to identify the real one in amongst, my, oh, <laughs> in amongst it, it all. It doesn't uh, exist. Oh, <gasps> there's that delusional disorder right there. Now, first of all, um, before we get involved in too much stuff, and, and we've been a bit, um, we've been a bit uh, backwards in addressing this in in some recent episodes, Stuart. What are you drinking uh, tonight? I am drinking Glenlivet Founders Reserve. Uh, and it's finishing off a bottle that came from some lovely friends in Aberdeen, Mike and Louisa, trade union colleagues, solidarity brothers and sisters. Uh, so, yes, what you and yourself, sir? I've got myself a bottle of Glenmorangie. Oh, God, what a noise uh, that is. Which is who's, uh, who's having, just so we can do a bit of a reader's poll, a bit of a listener's poll, who's drinking whiskey? Who's we, oh, there's one, two, three, oh, four, five, six. No, no. Jenny Lee Sim, what's she on? A cocktail? Oh, Shelly's, that's a Shelly's big on glass some as well. weird sort of Detroit level. She's on, that looks like, that looks like Mad Dog 2020. She's on. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the teenager? <laughs> um, <gasps> Car- oh, Carmel's twi- on prescription. Oh, Carmel's on Tramadol. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Insta hat. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, not actually Carmel's bed. Look She's everybody. in. Look, I got from Santa. <laughs> Are you allowed to drink wine? 
You must have some good painkillers. Must have some good painkillers, Susan. Nowhere did it say on any of the side effects uh, leaflets do not drink alcohol, but I only read the German versions. Nicht in drinking alcohol and wine. What is Galapentine anyway? (laughs) (laughs) John's just drowned himself. (laughs) So that's splendid. So we've got two guests tonight that we haven't introduced properly anyway john yeah, scott proper. john scott comedy comedy and susan morrison and we're uh, we're still waiting for another one to turn up uh the, you know, she's going to turn um, up after so strictly she said she messaged us she's coming at 9 30 9 30 my goodness that that is a, a prop you don't often see that on a rider do you <laughs> I won't, <laughs> only perform after i want brown m&ms and i'll only perform after strictly I suppose then it's moving on into the normal routine. So, you know, what's been going on in the news with our, our friend? Now, Billy, Billy Drysdale submitted a new name for Matt Hancock, I believe. Mm. Yeah, well, as long as it? okay. it's Matt Wanksock. <laughs> so um, that's officially his new name. That wasn't me. I'm just quoting somebody else. But that does get us nicely into sort of Jeremy <clears throat> Hunt ter- uh, territory. Um, it's, uh, you, you know, you went from a Wanksock to a cunt. Well, I wasn't using the language yesterday, but you know, and we're all very disappointed. Um, no, um, it, it is one of the one of the the gifts that uh, that the Conservative government keep giving us is health ministers with names that you can just very easily take the piss out of, um, along with the fact that they keep giving us health uh, ministers who don't know what they're doing and are terribly bad at not really knowing what they're doing as well. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think. Let me see. End of November, we were all treated to the headline of, of the chan- chancellor was going to announce five hundred million pounds for mental health in the uh, in the spending review. So do you know what I did? <clears throat> this is how much what time I've do? got on my hands at the moment. I read the spending review. How many pages is that? Well, I can't remember because by the time I got to the end of it, I was in a coma, <laughs> and um, but there there were ten mentions of uh, mental health in it. Four of them were on one page. And um, there's nowhere in that spending review that it spells out 500 million quid for mental health. But it just seems to be another one of those things where they get to just announce, we're going to do this and uh, for mental health. We're going to chuck all of this money into mental health. And it's announced on the BBC. It's in the you know the front of of the Daily Mail and on Sky News, and it's broadcast absolutely everywhere. And then they don't bother to do it. But if you Google five hundred million pounds for mental health or mental health investment, then it comes up straight away with Rishi Sunak promises five hundred million pounds for mental health, and there's absolutely nothing behind it. There's no substance. He's not had to deliver a single thing in there, but the headline is there. And so if you want to go and, you know, decide at the next election, who am I going to vote for based on what they've done for mental health? I'm going to Google that quickly. Look at that. Rishi Sunak put in 500 million pounds. It doesn't matter that he never did anything. It doesn't matter that he never had any intention of doing anything. He's got the headline and it's there on the Google search results. And that's basically what we're doing now. We haven't got even government by diktat. We've got government by dick, really, uh, who's just relying on, on press releases to get themselves up into the news so they can look like they're being the good guys. And it just has really pissed me off this week. 
Well, Unlike, you know, every other week where it's also pissed me off. I think I know what they've spent the five million pounds on. Five hundred. Five hundred, five million, whatever. It is. I know. Mm-hmm. I think I know what they've spent the money on, it's and fictional. it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's, it's well, it, they say it's fictional, but Katie Sutton has just landed upon the little gem that I managed to extrapolate from Tinterweb this week, which was that someone has just decided that it would have been a good idea to give all those people shielding vitamin. This is brilliant. You can make this up. Vitamin D, because they've been inside for fucking months. So, <laughs> right, right. So, we've asked all these people to shield, right? I mean, in Scotland, I, I wanted to step out the front door in October and I've been irradiated, right? Because the skin that I have living this far north is <laughs> not a good idea for me to go out in the sun. But I like the idea that somebody somewhere went, vitamin D deficiency. And all these people who've been shielding, I reckon that's where all that money's gone. And Katie, Katie pulled that out of there, but I couldn't believe that when I thought, but here's the best bit. How soon are they going to get the vitamin D to people at the time of year where there's the least light? The, the least light? <laughs> right, it'll be coming out in June the 22nd next year. <laughs> they reckon they're going to have the vaccine implemented before they can mobilise enough vitamin D to get it to people who've been shielding <laughs> for a year. <laughs> Vote Conservative, the party of rickets. And you imagine they do what they've done with the PPE and they phone the British Army and they say to whoever it is that's the who, I don't know what the highest rank in the army is, you know, general. Major such general, such. everybody Listen, knows that. Field marshal. Field marshal, major general, sub lord. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Posh guy it, with the actually, it's, <laughs> Oh, hang on. The highest, the, highest, uh, the highest person in the army is the queen. I'm not but sure the Queen was phoning. Are you suggesting she can? You suggest that the Queen can? delivers the vitamin D. Do you know what? <laughs> I reckon we probably pay her enough to do that. <laughs> There's no one got the vehicles. She can fly over in the in the royal jet. Your vitamin D. My <laughs> husband and I are delighted that you can open the car by yourself to take the vitamin. You think they'll let Philip drive again to mm-hmm. take it round for her? I now declare this blister over. open. <laughs> yes. Just pop one in. <laughs> oh, shit, the corgis have eaten it. Yes. <laughs> well, it's at least the, the corgis aren't going to get. not the first time she said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And now oh. people are going to realise how much effort I put into editing the shows that we did. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> to be honest, so, we don't normally have, uh, have, have comedians just piping up. <laughs> so some people are having problems. I was, I'm not distracted. There's a few people texting to say they couldn't get in. So anyway, we should swiftly move along to the people who are professional at this humour fact. I just thought that the, the vitamin D issue, I'm really pleased that Katie's seen that as well as I did, because when I first read it, I couldn't quite believe that they were going to take nine months to get the vitamin D out for people who by that time could have been shielding for 15 to 16 months. No, just stay inside. It'll be fine. Their vitamin D is on the way. Um, Do you know what it is? It's so like protect I, and survive. That's what it is. <laughs> Stay in your inner core or refuge until help arrives. How do you know Do that, Ed? Leave. What, protect and survive? Far too young for that sort of nonsense. No, Remember, I'm, you had I'm, to, I'm you moisturise your... a lot, Susan. Obviously, um, <laughs> <laughs> you must have sellotape behind your ears. Um, I gave myself a facelift with sellotape once. It was quite good, but I couldn't breathe after it. Remember, you had to take your doors. <laughs> do you remember that? Does everyone yeah, remember this? You had to take your doors yes, off. Yes, yes, take your doors off. Put them at a 60-degree angle. Mattresses. Mm-hmm. Mattresses. 
mattresses. Get your mattresses. Do you know what I'm going to do? That well-known deterrent of, of the spread of uh, nuclear detritus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid, comrade, there is no point in nuking Britain. They have mattress. <laughs> Dim. <And> many doors. <laughs> Global domination plan destroyed again. <laughs> It's a good job I didn't tell him about the bin bags full of soil, you know. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, so, uh, I think we should hand over to Susan Morrison before all these people leave us talking about um, vitamin D, because <laughs> you're actually good at this. Um, <clears throat> oh no, I was rather enjoying myself. I'm really shocked that you remember protect and survive. I mean, come on, hands up! I can see you on the screens. Who actually remembers the leaflet coming through the door? Remember that? Your dad. Did anybody else have their dad put them in the middle of the living room and say, right, in the event of the siren going off, where? Um, we'll all have to go into the cell if we haven't got a cell of that. Oh, we do now. And then we had to take that. We'll have to take these doors off, which meant that the Black and Decker, because my dad loved the power tool, had to be fired up so we could take all the doors off So oh, and then fantastic. get under the table. It's very exciting. Do you all remember that? And then nothing happened. You look quite boring, actually. Um, yeah. Actually, I'm quite glad that I've got you all with Hello, RCN. Hello. Um, just just before you start, I I think we should probably unmute everybody. Ask all to unmute. <clears throat> there we go. Finally, we got the echo. And put your hands together. Here's Susan Morrison. There we go. Weirdly enough, I was muted. I have. Well, right, that. but now you can um, all shut up. And um, but now, because although you may have applauded me, it is my turn to applaud you. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much. Um, quick question: uh, Because you're all nurses, and I've had a lot of dealings with nurses over the last year. Can I do that? And just a oh man, you've gone muted again. She's muted herself. No, I did. My hands are here. Ed. My how you are doing that, I do not know. But whatever it is you're using to press that button, put it away. That is what I'm saying to you. I think it's something to do with the vitamin D. That's why I'm suggesting. But, so, just a quick question then, because I have had an awful lot to do with nurses over the last year. Uh, what do you expect to happen after the following statement? Um, here's just a wee prick. Either you're going to get a cannula fitted in your arm, or you're about to be introduced to Michael Gove. What do you think would happen at that point? You see, this is what I want to talk to you about, nurses. Hello, nurses. I love you all. Last year, I've met more of you than the Queen opening a hospital. A few things I'd like to raise with you. One, what is your obsession with the word pop? What is it about that word? Could you just pop on this bed? Could you just pop over here? Would you mind just popping down to the pharmacy? Well, there's a fucking queue from here to the Western Infirmary in just miles back. Just just pop this in your pop this under your tongue, pop this up your fanny. Everything is just pop, 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 right? And it's just and then oh and 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 another thing, here's another phrase that really gets me in. Yeah, this will not hurt. Oh really? Oh really? Oh really? <laughs> Have you done this to yourselves? No, you have bloody not. And I can tell. Just come down off the ceiling, Susan. It won't now. Oh. <laughs> so, there are a few. So, and another thing, I love you. I love you all. I love you deeply. I really love you deeply. But, so I, I was in for surgery in July. Here's another thing. Why do you keep telling me things I don't need to know? 
Um, I had a, a liver resection. <laughs> Ever since then, I've not been able to eat liver. I just keep looking at it going, could have been mine. Anyhow, <laughs> why in the high dependency unit at 2.15 in the morning? Because I checked. Why was I wakened up to have my oxygen changed to be told, and I quote, you're sleeping very well. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. But you're not urinating enough. Now, I want you all <laughs> to think what you would do under these circumstances. You would do this, wouldn't you? Go. Fuck the medication. Give me more wine. So there are things that you, you constantly ask me to do. Tell me to do things. Some of you might know that uh, one of the reasons why I was in hospital is because I've got bum cancer. Now, the thing about bum cancer is it's not as glamorous as other cancers. I'm sorry, but that's true. Uh, tit cancer, now that's quite glamorous. Now, I know about that because I had tit cancer as well. And the thing about tit cancer is it's every, when you get it, everybody's like, oh, tit cancer, and you get pink ribbons and you know awareness days and cakes and stuff like that. When you get bum cancer, you don't get that. Because there's no pink ribbons. It would be a brown ribbon and nobody wants to wear that, do they? It's just going to look horrible, isn't it? So, um, so, and the trouble is, you see, that when you get bum cancer, a lot of things happen. Oh, the thing when you get tit cancer, this is what really frightens me, right? So I can tell you, right? So they whip them both off, right? Which I thought was a good idea because I never liked them anyway. Turns out, turns out, they're in landfill in the air tree. And I don't know about you, but I was expecting a slightly better send-off for them. So they just put them into this landfill. I'm, I'm not really worried about... Do you remember that scandal about the body parts getting dumped in the landfill? Do you remember that? Well, that's what happened. And it and all that worries me is that my tits might have turned into zombie tits. And they might be... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Crawling. <laughs> to call. Anyway. No matter so, um, so, the, so the thing about tit cancer and bum cancer is that bum cancer is a lot more shit involved. That's the problem, right? And the, the other problem is that it, it, it won't come out or, or too much of it comes out. Do you see what the problem is? Right? So, so when they interfere with the plumbing, you know what it's like? You get a new bathroom fitted. Somebody comes in. They don't do the job properly. Shit all over the shop. Anyhow, so what's happened is basically, um, so the shit will either go through really quickly or... or Basically, it's like I've got a Brexit bum. Either it'll fly through with no deal and no negotiation whatsoever, right? I've got to go and go now. There's no way out of this. Or it's going to get stuck in there in endless negotiations and there's no way it's going to shift, not even with Boris Johnson getting involved. Anyhow, wait to tell you this. So about two weeks ago, right, the whole situation got somewhat out of control, bunged up wise. So I got taken in to the hospital. This is what I love about you guys. This is why I love nurses. So I got x-rayed and, and they come back with the x-ray. Why do you always do this? I love this. You and car mechanics look at the x-ray and go, not shoot, don't like the sound of looking at that at all whatsoever. I'm like, I don't like the sound of your mouths. Why? What's it doing? Playing Christopher? What's happening in there? Somebody <laughs> should be telling me. So they said, they came in and they, they do the thing with the gloves. Why do you do that thing with the gloves? Snap. So they came in and they said there was only one word for it. I think you're all ahead of me. And it was enema. So, now, oh, somebody's telly's on. Are we being recorded? How exciting. So they came in and they said, now, I've had two years of cancer treatment, right? So I'm used to I'm used to medications like capacitabine, zoledronic acid, gramthepamycaline. Yes, I made that one up. This, you're all ahead of me anyway. 
This is a box. It's put down and it's just got one word on it and it's cleanse. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's roll over, curl up, and in we go. But I am telling you, I redecorated the inside of that National Health Toilet from stem to stem. <laughs> Some of us didn't get our jeans down in time, quite frankly. So, <laughs> so you see, it's it's all about it's all about the shit right now. So I'm I'm quite happy. I've discovered that um, drinking this is quite helpful, and this has a lasting effect. So I was in hospital two weeks ago, and I had uh, surgery on my lung which was keyhole surgery. So they put the keyhole thing in here and they put the camera thing in here and then they put the monkey in here. So they've given one up and down the rib cage for about an hour, which is how pretty much it felt when I woke up. And what I really loved was when I woke up, here's another thing you guys do, how do you do this? So I woke up and the nurse sat beside me for nearly 20 minutes and talked to me about how I was feeling, how I was doing. And then she said to me, if you had a wee bit of a rough time, would you like a cup of tea? And I said, yes. And she went, here you are. 20 minutes, she was sitting there and the tea just magically appeared. How Are you all wired up? Have I lost it? Are you all plumbed in with your hands so it just fills the tea without me even noticing it? <laughs> so all I have to do, all I want to do is to say to you, nurses, to thank you all for my magical, wild, crazy year with the nursing profession. You don't get paid enough. <laughs> And if there's ever a barricade that I can man to make sure that you do get <laughs> enough, pass me the petrol bomb and I'll be right there to defend you. <laughs> and Merry Christmas, RCN. <laughs> Thank you so much, Susan. Everybody unmute yourself <laughs> and, and give a round of applause, please. Give a round of applause. <laughs> Yay! 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 Thank you, Susan. No, no. I, um, <laughs> Thank you, Susan. I, um, I feel like... I, I, this poor woman has put up with me contacting her for like the last 15 years and saying, Susan, will you come and speak to these nurses? And I have never once heard her say or use the same material twice. I, you're a fucking legend, Susan Morrison, I have to tell you. That's why I keep going into hospital. Legend. You, keep, you guys so, keep giving me it. Can I, can, I, can, I, can I share? So I've got a text chat. I, I'll summarise it with Susan. I contacted Susan. Somebody's sliding about their bed. What's going on? Um, I contacted Well, Susan, you know, you can do more uh, than one thing to, while you're a, listening to this. A, a few months ago and said, look, we were thinking of doing this. And um, Ed and I have had a few debacles going on, so we were a bit sidetracked. I contacted Susan. I said, Susan, you know what, if you fancy doing this? And she, the immediate response was, yes, but I've got lung surgery coming up, so just let me know the date. <laughs> so, so I was like, are, are you really sure? I mean, we're talking about the start of December, and she's like, oh, well, I should have it by the end of November. I'll be fine as long as I'm out of hospital. All <laughs> <laughs> so, right, okay, thanks. I mean, Matt, Matt Hancock was for giving us medals for actually working through the uh, the pandemic, but I was thinking, if I get one, Susan, I'm going to get you. Nonsense. Had I been in my bed, they could have wheeled the computer in. I would have just said, take the oxygen off, I'll have a chat. Away to be fair, your Wi-Fi signal's probably better in the house than it is at work or it is at the <laughs> hospital. So, um, 
So uh, thank you so much, Susan. I, I really I genuinely appreciate the time. I'm sure uh, mm-hmm. everybody here is uh, appreciative no. of the laughter as well and no. your insight into bum and tit cancer. So that's great because as nurses, we don't we don't get to have those conversations with non-nursing people. No. Oh, I think so, you do. <laughs> no, so I'm afraid to say you've got bum and tit cancer. No, that's, that's, <laughs> nobody here Basically, has ever been able to say that. It's <laughs> Thumbs, tits, and boobs are daisy. I'm just never entirely sure what's going to happen next. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm hopeful for you that there's nothing next. Oh, okay. I'm bored with it now. Bored with it. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine so. So um, in between, um, we, we now have uh, another uh, outstandingly talented comic, someone who has been a great fan of the pod, a great supporter of the pod and as of his work, um, his work, The Towers. Um, I'd seen a, a bit of Twitter chat going on on the RMN Behaving Badly Twitter feed the other day, and we'll have more news of John's production of his uh, his script, his his, public, his um, piece of work that was published for his masters, which was just mind blowing. He's not here to talk serious stuff tonight. He's here to talk some of the funnier stuff. Um, I just think it's hilarious that he's back, having been amongst the academics for the last few years. He's back in the post office. So, um, so John, over to yourself. Can I have a round of? Can everybody open up and give this gentleman a round of applause before he starts, please? John Scott. So yeah, just just to explain everybody what's your um For six weeks, I'm sorting the mail with Royal Mail. And I've actually found it brilliant because I've been deeply in the arts for four years at university doing drama stuff and I'm surrounded by histrionic drama queens. And now amongst ordinary folk being sensible for six weeks and it's really quite nice, like, yeah. It's, it's great to have Susan here as well, who because we'll, we'll talk about towers in a second, but for anybody that's seen other other, I, I talk a little bit about mental health, you know, bipolar disorder and that. And um, Susan is one of the few folk that's known me and Scottish comedy since I was an open spot 21 years ago to, to now. And um, when I arrived at the Stan Comedy Club 21 years ago, I was untreated for, for bipolar one. And, and I arrived in a state that, that, that uh, the professionals describe as uh, bipolar as fuck. And <laughs> I think that 21 years later, I'm now actually sitting in a, this is really happening, Susan. This is really happening. I'm, I'm now sitting in a position where the masters has happened and I've got a, really high mark for it and the university is basically lining me up to be a lecturer and I had to say 21 years ago when I arrived at the stand oh hello I'm here I'm John and, and one time I did appear nude on stage I don't know if that was the bipolar or just on my show off or what and uh, and go oh and by the way I'm going to be a lecturer and Susan would have patted me on the shoulders and went you need to sit down for a bit John and it's fine you will be a lecturer you can lecture about whatever you want like yeah so that, that's my journey as a comedian. 21 years later, that's going to happen with, with having been a in academia. So yeah, it's a very kind of you to, to say about Towers as well, which was the show we did for my Masters, which was meant to be a live show. But then because of the pandemic, I had to record it in my house <laughs> and make a show in my house and film it in my house and try and make that presentable to people. But it seems to have connected with folks. So, so we're, we're doing good with it. We're now... There's, uh, so there's two main theatres here in Newcastle and they're a wee bit conservative in what they present, but there's a great fringe theatre that does the lefty radical stuff like the, the other ones used to do, but they're not up in it so much. And Towers is a lefty radical show. So I went wishlist. They've got their main producer and their main director. And I went, well, I want to work with both of them. 
And they just confirmed this week that they're going to put the show on its feet in that. So that's going to happen in that theatre. So that's that's good. Like, yeah. <laughs> Ask me a question. <laughs> <laughs> Ask you a question. Right, so, Joy. Really quickly, tell okay. the truth. Okay. Okay. I wish to confirm that John Scott did walk on stage <laughs> as John Little John at that time, only wearing two socks. Yeah. Only one was on a foot. The other one, the entire on audience stared at with unmitigated horror for the full 10 minutes going, how is he keeping that on? <laughs> and is it going to fall off? And I stood at the side of the stage and thought, yeah, he's going to be a lecturer one day. I can just fall off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And that, that, is the, that is the truth of that scenario. Like, yeah, yeah. I miss those days. I think I was much funnier then. And I'm awesome. much more, um, what's the word, firm compared to what I'm like at this age. <laughs> is that how the sock stays Is that on? about the sock? Is that <laughs> yeah. about the sock, John? Or was that your humour was a bit more firm? Or was it that, was that you're a bit... being on stage, so that's how it stayed on, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Ew. it was just about being excited for Susan introducing you, John. Nah, men aren't usually that happy about my warm-ups. Yeah, <laughs> it's not really a warm up if it's not doing that. You, know? <laughs> you speak to my husband. <laughs> <laughs> so do you reckon? Do you reckon the post office might provide you with some new material, John? Well, you seen anything where you've thought oh, <laughs> he's been gone through people's posts? <laughs> I was going to say that's a really nice card. <laughs> oh, well, here, let me tell you about some of the exciting things we found in the post. So there's been sniffknickers.com, right? <laughs> <laughs> Generally, right, these purple sparkly envelopes with a tiny bit of Philly knickers poking out that our men are sending for, right, from sniffknickers.com with a sticker on it saying guaranteed to have been worn for two days. This is the shit that's going through your post. <laughs> I'm not making that up. I'm not making that up. That's Can I just it. draw your attention to my T-shirt? Smelly pants, we, yay. Yeah. And we, we basically went, we should write these guys' addresses doing them maybe worn the street or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Getting stuff with sniffnickers.com. Like uh, and who's been I mean, in their head, it's some Claudia Schiffer type thing, but and you know, in reality, it's just it's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, artists are having to make money one way or another, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Billy Drysdale just to a check? Because that sounds like something that's right up his street. Where's Billy? <laughs> I'm not even... He's I'm staying even very muted right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so Joy, then the, the, you just get back to your question there, because we are a, a, a majority mental health nurses. So you're saying yes. about... Do you, have you noticed a change in your humour as you've become more a master of... And I use that word loosely, master, but a master of your illness and your recovery? Yes, absolutely. Um... One, more comfortable with openness. I mean, you have to understand that, like, I've been a comedian for 21 years, and it was only four years ago that I ever decided to speak about my issues with mental health. And uh, and I was very scared, very scared to do it. Uh, but since having done it as a show, it's kind of weird, because I'll, I'll just drop it at a bus stop now. I'm going, oh, I'm, I'm this. And I would, I, would, I would never be confident in mentioning it before. And I'm kind of happy we're still doing that. Okay. Uh, Why didn't you wait? 
Is that's it, okay, right? Ten minutes, because I'm not going to be going on till tenish. <laughs> Hi, Susie. <laughs> <laughs> Susie! <laughs> I'm more in 10 minutes. The Celtic are shite, you Don't put the Celtic on. Are we up park heat there and fuck? So, yeah, ever since I did the show, the uh, the auditory hallucinations came me a halt, but now that I'm back in the. <laughs> so, uh, so. But yeah, it, it, I, I, did it change my approach to humour? I think it did. I. Um, and I, I used to have a reserve about maybe being open about certain things, and now I'm quite happy to be open about just about anything. Like you know, what well, the weird thing? I would say that show about mental health led to me being confident enough to do something like Towers, which was to do really straight drama about really serious stuff like Grenfell Tower and and the miners' strike uh, and the, you know COVID and PPE with the nurses and everything and stick bits of stand-up in between it and hope that that would go together. And I hope, for the vote that I've seen it, I basically took everything they were teaching me at uni and threw it in the air. And I wouldn't have the confidence to do it before and went, let's see what lands. And I wasn't even sure how it was going to land, but it seemed to land together as a cohesive thing that that was like, yeah. And I think that the mental health show gave me the confidence to step outside my comfort zone is the best answer to that. I can get like, yeah. No, it, it, it's. I think it's one of those things, isn't it, about how comfortable it is to ask yeah. people about their recovery and about their experiences and their symptoms, you know, and you, you've always, um, in the, the, always, but in the last couple of years, you've, you, you mentioned about, you know, that realisation and reflecting back on those experiences and then you translate that into your humour now, yeah. you know, and you, you see a lot of that in the Tower stuff and, and, and I suppose for us, as the people who work in that environment, you know, all, you, you can kind of flip that on to the, and I've heard you speaking about it before, about the humour, as Susan's just done, about the humour of the people who care for you. Yeah. And actually mm-hmm. viewing the world through the prism of the people who are receiving the service. Yeah. And we're, we're no the best at times at taking criticism, even though it might not be criticism, we just see it as criticism. Well, we, we, uh-huh. we, what's up with the word pop? Literally. What do you want us to say? Just get doing the call. Do you know what I mean? We're trying to be nice. I've got fucking 14 <laughs> other people to see Susan Morrison. You might have fucking arse cancer. That woman earlier has getting her heart taken out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, we have Stanley knife and a teaspoon. Aye, but... fuck's sake. Have you seen that surgeon, man? He's got mere fucking ex-wives than ever, man. That guy's done 17 lists and it's only Tuesday. Do you know? What is it about surgeons, by the way? I mean, they <laughs> redefine the word smug. And I have... <laughs> and I have met Stuart Lee. So I... They are I've met Stuart Lee as well, so I can... Different, but oh yeah, hi. Um, yeah, so on the extra, yeah, totally. Uh, we can probably manage this in about 90 minutes. That's really excellent. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> and another thing, why? It's been like pilots. No. Yeah, well, uh, that, which brings me to my next point, Stuart. Do they give them elocution lessons? That is what I want to know. There must be. I only met one surgeon, and it was during, it was just before the mistake. And a surgeon came in and he went, oh, hello there. And he actually said, he said, hello there, my name is Kenny and uh, I'll be assisting on your uh, mastectomy today. Uh, just let you know, uh, I am from Paisley, which means that I am genetically predisposed to handle sharp implements. However, I will continue to use them wisely. <laughs> 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 
I am willing to bet that Kenny uh, doesn't talk like that anymore. I have a feeling but, Kenneth, as he is now, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, because no airline pilot wants to come and go, oh, hello there, about 35,000 feet, but the, the engines have called to. I think I thought <laughs> <laughs> I don't, but listen, psychiatrists, for those of us in me, there is a, a, a differential. Uh, you you always knew, well, when I started in mental health, and I'm going to look around the screens, so I'm seeing Stuart, Stuart's just retired, I'm looking around, I'm, I'm that kind of, I'm still, a wee, I'm still a wee bit in that generation, I started in the mid-90s, you used to be able to tell who the psychiatrists were because they were the ones that wandered onto the ward smoking, but actually had <laughs> shoes that fitted as opposed to the patients who wandered onto the ward smoking but had no shoes. So there was, that was how you used to be able to tell a consultant psychiatrist. Um, uh, I, worked with a... I can't, I can't. I've got to disagree with you about what you said about criticism, Stuart, because I think, I think you, I think nurses are amazing because, because you, you put up, we are people who are waking up from anaesthetic. We, we are, or we're, we're on mental health wards. We're confused. We don't know what's going on. Yeah. I woke up from my anaesthetic and immediately announced to the nurse, my cat has a huge arse. <laughs> <laughs> to which she said, of course she does. Fine. <laughs> but um, I, the nearest, there must be miserable gits at work in the NHS, but I have never met them. And I watch you deal with people in difficult situations and confuse people. And, and the closest I have yet seen to a nurse lose their cool on the ward is this. Right, I see. Okay. Tell you what, you sit on the commode and I'll make some tea. How's that? That is basically you going full fucking Hulk, right? That's... <laughs> 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 I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, and without prying into joins, I mean, if, I'm sure you've seen, you've had some interesting conversations with, uh, and you've done. And I think that's the thing. It's interesting about you, John, as well. You've done both sides of the fence, quite literally. <laughs> quite both literally. sides of the fence. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I now. See, to, so I, I was talking about. I thought, and that's, this is still going to be a thing. So I, I work with people with acute mental health problems, and can I just sing the praises in Northumbria University because I've been on the fringes of this. I thought Northumbria University have set up a thing that they call mad studies, which I think is come for the people that are involved, as, as in the, um, the people that are using the service, where they're working with people with, with really at the more acute end of mental health who are struggling to make their way in everyday life. And they are bringing them into academia and very controlled situations and moving them quietly towards qualification and that. And it's it's, it's very intensive, the setup they've got, and it's very supportive. And um, I've been on the fringes working with that a wee bit. And I also work with Recovery College in Newcastle, where I do comedy stuff with people with acute mental health as well. So I've been on both sides of that stuff, as you say. Like, yeah, um, it's weird with, with my stuff when I'm working with you. I, I always say, like, that we, we don't need to talk about mental health. In, uh, in these sessions or anything. And people generally often prefer not to at the start. But an interesting thing happened with the group one day where we got to about four weeks in. I never we just opened up about this is my thing, this is my thing, this is my thing. But what was lovely about it, it wasn't even enforced and it wasn't even pushed into that direction or that. And then we were all having a real laugh about it as well, about what was going on with folk in that. Uh, so, yeah, it's, I think it's a new emerging thing. But I, I really would sing the praises of Northumbria University. They've taken it even further than that. And here's the thing, if the psychiatric nurses in here... Um, 
they'll, they'll understand the level of attention they're giving it is because I was for the drama department. When you work in drama, you often go into a room that's painted black. In fact, most rooms are painted black because that makes us focus. But when you bring in somebody with an acute mental health problem and go go into that black room and you know, so so the the psychologist that what was in that go that could be a negative kind of environment for folks that you're bringing into this situation. And, and it's great that they've got that attention to that kind of stuff going on. However, mistakes happen. I'm not going to mention one of the lecturers as a friend as much. <laughs> he wanted to do a piece one day because uh, he's written a paper on me and Stuart Lee and everyone else, comedians with mental health stuff. But he was showing a bit of Stuart Lee one night uh, where Stuart Lee pretends that he's talking to comedians that he's imagining on stage or maybe even hearing a voice. And about five folk got up and walked to the lecture, really angry, going, that's really fucking offensive. I hear voices. <laughs> so I was like, so we didn't get it right all the time. We didn't get it right all the time. Or at least my mate never got it right. Like, yeah. So uh, but it's, it's great. A tough, it's a, it's a tough, cool. it's a tough gig because you sometimes, you know, even as nurses, I, I know myself in my career, I've had those faux pas where you 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 know you're walking in a in a minefield and at any given moment it's going to give it. off. No, listen, that's fat. So, Susie McCabe, hello. How you doing? With it, with I fucking heard you, Mackenzie. I, I heard you. I, I, well, I heard you. I mean, <laughs> get me up, park kid, get that football off. I was fucking, I was sitting there, park kid, with a drone, just waiting for Lennon's wee ginger heat, just <laughs> raging, man. I've been thinking about you all week, honestly. I bet you so have. Susie, knowing about we've always had a bit of banter about it. I ah, absolutely, you've got to. You've got to. Uh, I got could to. listen. Only in Glasgow could people try to socially distance whilst having a riot. <laughs> That's the book. <laughs> There's a. You know what I love clip. most about right is when I'm back working full time now because the gigs have stopped right, and I love working like and obviously I, I'm still working in construction right, so I'm in an office and. It's now like maybe 60, 40 guys to women, right? And the Rangers fans come up to me and go, hey, scenes, eh? Hey, scenes at Parky, eh? Would you make it a fucking, you're mob, eh? Would you make it a, <laughs> I was like, hold on. I've got Greater Manchester Police on the phone for 2008. Hold on. Hold on, there's a guy lying in the car with a dugger on his leg, right? So, Susie, listen, I, I think we have to both agree that we are a city with lots of high-expressed emotion, right? They're just bangers, man. <laughs> right. Have you, seen this, have you seen the clip? For people who are maybe out there, we bubble of Scottish football in the world, there's a fabulous clip on Twitter where they capture the audio of a guy who's pushing on a fence against three Glasgow policemen going, Fucking two metres! Two fucking metres back! <laughs> you know what? So See, he's having he a riot, was... but he's like, right, alright, it's alright, we're going to have this riot, alright, that's alright, but we need to make sure that we've got two metre distance at all times. Riot, absolutely riot. <laughs> and I'm, Do you know what, I'm just like, going to I might get done here, for riot and a but I'll not get done for breaking the COVID laws. Oh, I, tell you, I tell you the best bit, right, and... I kind of talk about this in my new show when when I've realised I've been getting old, right? And I'll talk about <laughs> this tonight. But I stay one mile from the stadium, right? It's literally like 1.2 miles. I can walk to it and I can hear the stadium like on a, on a normal big European night, an old film game. I can open the doors. We've got a wee kind of veranda balcony and you can hear the stadium, like the actual songs and all that, right? And... Uh, 
you can always hear the helicopter and all that, and the helicopter came about, and that's where I go out and I have a cigarette, because, you know, my partner hates the smoking. And I was out on Sunday, chain smoking, fuming, calling <laughs> for everything, right? And the, the chopper was out, and I turned around to Nicola and I went, I couldn't even be bothered going to protest. I'm too old for that. It's too old. <laughs> See, you've matured. You're too old for that. that. I mean, I don't even know if I would go and get a ticket and go and sit in a stadium and watch a game of football now, because, I mean, it's freezing. It's like one degree out there. No, do you know what? I'll just sit in the house and have a I took, I took my granda, right? So, again, we're totally off on a tangent here, right? But I took my granda. Oh, imagine I, that. We hadn't been to Ibrooks. So on a Saturday, my granddad was, was injured in the, the Ibrooks disaster. And he uh, didn't go back to Ibrooks after that. And he, he wouldn't go for years and years and years. And my dad kept saying to him, you know, Nori, it's what there's seats and all that now. There's no terraces and you've got a good view. And do you know, and it, it's all right, it's safe. So eventually, like, I took him to a Hibs game and we beat, we beat Hibs 4-1 and I'm coming out and I'm thinking he's had a good day. <laughs> I says, how'd you like that, Grand? And he went, ah, fuck, I can't see anything or hear anything or any people shouting. The pies are shite and the bovril's rubbish. I'm better in the house. <laughs> 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 true, though, I've been to a football game for 30 years and I took him to one thing that'd be the highlight each year and he's like, that was pish. <laughs> I'm going to buy the house. I'm just going to go down the bookies and put a light on. Oh, man. I, I, I'll tell you guys something, just as a wee interjection, right? I, I grew up in the far north of Scotland, as, as far north as it's possible to get, on a tiny little weird island where everybody spoke strangely. And then I spent six years living in, in the West End, in, in, the, in the proper west of Glasgow, where everybody spoke kind of weird. And then I went and lived in Aberdeen for a number of years where everybody spoke really weird. But I'm kind of aware that there are folks in Exeter listening to us right now. And I'm just me and wetting myself. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that none of them will have a clue what you're on about. And oh. I just am enjoying that feeling so Sorry. much. So, listen, so Susie McCabe, we didn't ask you here for me and you to have a chat about the football. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. We got in touch. It's lovely. Oh, no, it was, it was absolute gold. Uh, I just, it's a fabulous memory yeah, I have my granddad. I'm not here anymore. I'm a shite. I'm a shite. Uh, so I, we won 4-1. I know I couldn't see it and people kept singing and fucking pies rubbish. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's, that's, I look at the football is, differently now. Uh, so we've got Susan McCabe who's now joined us and uh, we co- she came in 10 minutes early to check her tech. I'm assuming that Strictly's finished and the gay bingo's done. Hey, the gay Christmas tree, check out that tree, man. It's like the tree Downing Street in it. Look at it. <laughs> me, me and my girlfriend, I know that'll be a shock to you. Sorry, lads. Uh, <laughs> me and my girlfriend uh, are both five foot two, five foot three, and we stay in a one bedroom flat, and I went and bought a six foot real tree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no joking, we've literally had to rebuild the house around the tree, so she's away out walking the dog, calling me for everything and I have to text her. I'm assuming the dog, the dog might be a bit, is the dog a bit perplexed by the size of the tree in your living room? The dog just looks at us like that. Just, <laughs> just take me from a walk. The dog just literally looks at us like that. But yes, so yes, I'm here, I'm here and I'm good, good to go. 
So, Susie, over to you. Welcome. Can I, everybody open their mics up and give a big round of applause to the fabulous, wonderful Susie McCabe, who's here with us tonight. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. So, oh man, when was the last time I was on here, Stuart? Was it like oh, it was June, June time. June, I can't mind. We were in the middle of a pandemic that we're still in the middle of, and the politicians were fannying about, and it appears nothing's changed, Susie. Well, no, it does appear nothing's changed, but I was saying to Nicola tonight, if Boris doesn't hide in a fridge next to all those vials of that vaccine, he has missed a great press opportunity, hasn't he? Do you know what I mean? Because you remember our Prime Minister actually hid in a fridge. Does everybody remember that that happened? And now he is entrusted to roll out the vaccine and vaccinate this country, a man <laughs> who hid in a fridge. That's the level that we're at, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, lockdown. Aye, it was... Do you know, I've, I went back working full-time because there's obviously no gigs and... Lockdown for me, it was really, it was really strange, right? Because I was five days out from playing the King's Theatre in Glasgow and we went into lockdown and my mental health deteriorated. And I've had problems with my mental health before. I've done a a show on it and uh, and I, I speak quite openly about it and I had to get myself into a routine. So my routine involved me watching the daily briefing every day because in Scotland, we still get a daily briefing every day. Because regardless of what you think of Nicola Sturgeon, she appears to go to her work. So she does the briefing every day and I would watch that briefing. And our health secretary in Scotland's a wee woman called Jean. Of course she is, because that's what a Scottish woman of that age is called, Jean. Right? And Jean looks like every auntie that you've ever had. Right? And, and I love Jean, right, for all her faults. Because... Nicola Sturgeon would stand there, who was a former health secretary in Scotland, right? She'd stand there and she would just be very much a leader. And she'd say, I'm just going to hand you over to the health secretary. And our health secretary looks like she smokes 80 cigarettes a day, right? Without doubt. She she just looks like she smokes it. And she's the type of woman... Now, I've never been to a bingo hall, but she's the type of woman that... If I was sat in a bingo hall and she came up to me and said, that's my seat, I would say, yes, I was only keeping it warm for you. You know that kind of woman that just strikes fear into your heart? <laughs> Nicola Sturgeon would always say, I'll just hand you over to the health secretary. And not only does Jean look profoundly Scottish, she sounds it because she just kind of stands there and goes, Thanks very much, First Minister. Right, she has the voice of a coal man. <laughs> and it, it, it cracked me up because this is I've seen the difference in the two countries, right? PPE, now you guys are in that profession, right? The PPE. We need to talk about the PPE. We Jean standing, she goes, the PPE's coming uh, Sunday. Everywhere will have it by Monday at lunchtime and it's flying into... <laughs> Presswick Airport. Now, for those of you that don't know Presswick Airport, let me explain. That is essentially a driveway with a shed on the end, right? It's no, it's not a proper airport. Nobody is flying to Geneva from Presswick Airport. It may have international, but it is not an international airport. You know the kind of airports where you can only really take hand luggage, right? If you try and go through with two bits of luggage to go into the hold, oh, it's chaos. It's chaos, it's that kind of airport. 
And our PPE comes in, right? And then I watch what happened down in England, right? And I see fucking Hancock, right? And Hancock goes, Kusenberg, I think, said, Scotland's PPE is coming in Monday. They're going to have it all. He went, ours is coming in Sunday. <laughs> Quite clearly it was, not So it doesn't arrive on the Sunday. And he goes, it's coming Monday morning from Turkey. Sorry, Matt, from where? Turkey. Yeah, we went to a T-shirt manufacturer. A T-shirt manufacturer in Turkey. I we missed the emails from the EU. We missed e- a global pandemic and our government managed to miss emails, right? So this is the bit you start to go, I don't know if they know what they're doing. They've missed emails. So no, we can't get the PPE for the EU. It's coming for Turkey and it doesn't come in the Monday morning. He gets wheeled out the Monday night and he says, it's coming in Tuesday morning. Disney come Tuesday morning. No, no. You can just picture at this point, Matt Hancock's on the phone going, has anybody checked her bin? Is anybody, is Yodel delivering the PPE? Has anybody checked her bin? Yodel always put PPE in her bin. Just see, somebody phone Gatwick Airport and see if they've taken it there instead of Heathrow. <laughs> right? like, this was her PPE to keep you safe, right? It was the worst thing in the world. Then we sent the Air Force, the Royal Air Force, to Turkey to get the PPE, which is probably going to come back with a fake Lacoste and Fred Perry (laughs) sign on it because it's a guy in Turkey making it. And it comes back into the country and matters like that. Ladies and gentlemen, the PPEs arrive. Our healthcare staff, our frontline workers will be safe. Two minutes later, phone call, matters like that. What do you mean it's not appropriate? It doesn't mean EU standards. Who made this fucking PPE, right? At what point is Matt Hancock saying to himself, just get gimp masks. Just get <laughs> gimp masks. We've no good ventilators. Just get a gimp mask. And do you know what? Just just put the nurses in a, in a latex nurses outfit. That'll fucking help with the COVID. Oh, Jesus, man. But it's just, it's been it's been stressful. I found lockdown stressful. I found it quite amusing, but I found it stressful. And I'll tell you where it started. Baking. Everybody just started baking cakes, didn't we? See if I see another banana loaf, I'm, I'm literally going to hit somebody with it. Because the only way you can get Scottish people to eat fruit, it would appear, <laughs> is by putting it in a fucking cake. Because I swear to God, would you like some banana? No, I don't want fucking banana loaf. No, I just want to go to the pub and have a pint. That's what I want. It's been quite stressful. And I was I joined in that chat there and Susan was talking about, uh, obviously, our, our cancer care and John was talking about some of the mental health stuff. And my mum had uh, pancreatic cancer, right? She... Uh, it's only got a 13% survival rate, apparently, pancreatic cancer. And my mum survived it. So, you know, we put the policies away. Fucking, what are the chances? And my mum survived pancreatic cancer. But Susan was talking about nurses not losing their shit. And I went up to see my mum one day at the Royal Infirmary in Glasgow because I only stayed a, a, I only stay about a mile from the Royal Infirmary. And that was really handy for my mum because she would phone me every day about four times, all before 10 o'clock in the morning, with a shopping list for her and the rest of the ward. 
I was going up to the Royal Infirmary in Glasgow with 14 take breaks, three bellas and a couple of sets of bras and pants, right? I'm not joking. Buying pensioners their bras and pants because Elmer said, she's only got a son. He's no married. I don't think she wants to ask him. So I'm running about Marks and Spencer's buying old woman their drawers. No joking. So I goes up this day and the kind of sister on the board took me aside and she said, Susan... Uh, we're moving your mum to the Beatson. We're moving your mum to the Beatson for her second stage of treatment, right? She's going to go into the Beatson. She can leave here. We can't do anything more. She's made a great recovery and she's now in a position of strength that she can go to the Beatson for the second phase, right? Now, when my mum went in, she thought it was just her pancreas. They took out my mum's spleen, her pancreas, her bowel, part of her stomach, and 28 lymph nodes. So, it was, she was in a terrible place, right? And she fought it and she was moving to the beach. And, and I cried, right? I, I cried to this big sister. And it was me and my girlfriend. And I went in and I sat at the end of my mum's bed and I said, listen, get your stuff. They're organising an ambulance. You're going to the beach. She went, great. When? I said the news. She went, no. I went, no. She went, no. Cards tonight. I said, what? She went, it's Cards. Me you know the woman, we play cards on a Wednesday. I said, they've organised an ambulance. And they have a bed waiting for you at the beach. And she went, I know, I'll just go the Mora. I said, you can't go the Mora. You need to go the day. She went, no. So Nicola, my, my lovely girlfriend, said, I can see you're getting upset. Go and wait outside. So it goes and waits outside. And she comes out, she goes, I'll talk to your mum. About two or three minutes later, she goes, she's not going. It's cards tonight. And my dad comes into the and right, my dad comes in, got a story about him as well. And he says, What's going on? I said, It's my mum. She said, Why move her to the beach soon? She's no going. He said, How no? I said, Because it's fucking cards tonight. He went, Right, I'll talk to her. I'm no joking. 30 seconds later, my dad comes out. No, she's no going. She's no going. <laughs> <laughs> she, she does to go, right? So the next thing, the big consultant comes down, right? And I'm not joking. He was like, Fucking Dr. Kildare, right? He was about six foot odds, his Irish is blarney, really soft-spoken Irish accent, jet black hair, big brown eyes, like total movie star. And he's like, what's going on? And we tell him, and he says, me and your mum have got a special relationship, at which point my dad's like, oh, fucking have you, hi, fucking. <laughs> he says, I'll go and speak to your mum. Ten minutes goes past, he comes out and he goes, she's not going. So the big sister comes over and she was from Northern Ireland, right? And she was just a big woman. There's only way I could describe her, just a big woman, a big, really straight-faced, broad-shouldered, big woman. And there wasn't really a warmth to her, right? And she goes, what seems to be the problem here? Like big fucking Arlene Foster. And we told her, and she went, you leave this with me. And I swear to God, she goes in, pulls the curtain around. Literally 30 seconds later, curtain comes back. She comes out and she goes, that's your mum packing her bags. Lovely to meet you. All the best. And fucking saunters off into the sunset, right? Like John Wayne. So I was running in. I'm like, ah, what did big Arlene Foster slash Ian Paisley see? <laughs> <laughs> if I'm quick, I'll get up there, I'll get my own room, and I'll get to be able to get a menu for my dinner and my breakfast. Let's go, Helen. Let's go. 
My mother literally turned cancer treatment into a state the fucking Hilton. I'm no joking. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And my dad, oh, my dad, like, because I had to look after these two bangers in lockdown, right? <laughs> right, right before lockdown came in, lockdown came in on the, the Sunday or the Monday, because do you remember Boris came out and he went, go to the pub, don't go to the pub, blah, 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 blah. And Nicola Sturgeon came out on the Sunday, right? And she just looked at the whole of Scotland and she went, pubs are shut in the fucking house and we all <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like, you know that way that when your mum used to smile at you at a family party? And she'd be like, ha, 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 see, I get you in the house. I'm going to fucking lead on you. You know when your mum done that and she'd just smile at you, but still tell you that under no certain circumstances, you are fucking dead. It was exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad's in hospital, and he's a type 2 diabetic. He's had about four bypasses or sort of lost count. And he had to have a lower left leg amputation. Right? So I was calling him. Daddy D. Lewis, right, for the old my left foot. He was not loving that chat. But the other day on Thursday, I had to take him into hospital because he was getting an eye operation. <laughs> he had an eye operation. And this cracked me up. So I dropped him off and he's got his wee um, a prosthetic leg. Goes into the hospital and I come back and get him. And if they no put a patch over his eye, well... There's my dad with a metal leg and a patch over his eye. It's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. So for Christmas, I've got my stuffed pirate and a hat. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it's been... Oh, it was so difficult looking after they two because... See what I would say is an essential shop. An essential shop to me is milk, bread, protein, vegetables. My mum's essential shop was like... Bird seat. I said, like, my mum doesn't even own a bird, right? She doesn't own a, like, this was for fat pigeons. This was for <laughs> fat pigeons in East End of Glasgow. She's meeting me cute at Costco for three hours for fucking nuts and seeds for fucking birds. <laughs> Pests, man. Pests. But do you know what? If it wasn't for the NHS, they wouldn't be here. You know, and if Matt Hancock and Boris had said their way, they fucking wouldn't be here. They'd have got them put there. But... <laughs> True story. They would have just been like type two diabetics, no spleen, heart disease, fucking big jag. See you later. So, but no, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for the NHS, I wouldn't have them. So, thanks very much. I could be living in a four bedroom bungalow, but he's have scuppered that for me as well. So. <laughs> I am joking. Ah, you'd have had plenty of room for that Christmas tree, so is it? Mate, I, am, I would have about room. four Christmas trees. <laughs> <laughs> you should speak what, to my what, wife, Susie. Sarah's, Sarah's on here. Sarah managed to get the last fucking Christmas tree and being cure home bargains about fucking ten years ago, right? It was the weest, fattest fucking Christmas tree in the world, right? But the best it was, it was about three feet high and about six feet wide, right? And we had two cats and I took it out of the house and the cats were like, they were watching it, waiting for squirrels to jump at it. It's like somebody brought a fucking topiary into the living room. Just brilliant, Stuart, isn't it? Stuart, just when brilliant. your tree is three feet high and six feet wide, it's on its side. <laughs> no, Ed, 
this tree wasn't the one its side. Sarah managed to get a tree into the house that had more in common with a fucking loaf of bread than it did. Listen, <laughs> I, my first tree in this flat with Nicola was a little potty tree, and then I moved to one that was about three foot, and then last year's one was about four and a half foot, and this year I just went, you know what, we're going all out, 2020, year's been a write-off, big tree. I'll be, I'll be homeless, that tree will be in this house longer than me, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, I said everybody open up and a round of applause for Susie McCabe thank you very much Susie thank, thank you, you very much guys I am going to go and text Nicola and tell her that it's all clear and she can come back and we're going to watch a Christmas movie they're no they're away doing they're away doing to the vigil doing at Parkhead listen <laughs> <laughs> God help him if she gets her hands on them oh no <laughs> Susie be, thank you darling listen Everybody, have a great Christmas. Keep fighting the good fight. Keep up the good work. Speak to you soon. Thank you very much. After Take yourself. Easy, Thanks, Susie. Fucking angels, right? Bye! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Did I brilliant. get the, the impression she wasn't a fan of, of the Rangers? Well, I think that John there translating, he lives in England now, he could translate for us. What was that she said there at the end, John? I think it was anybody but Rangers. Uh, aye, 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 aye. <laughs> was it good oh, luck, dear. the Rangers? It sounded a bit like good Come luck. Come on, the, the Rangers. Rangers! No, I think it was. Uh, I'm just impressed that she lives 1.2 miles away from Parkhead and thinks that's a walkable distance because for most Glaswegians, <laughs> that's an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Brown's nodding because he fucking agrees. Although I've got to say, no, she's, I've, she's I've seen guys like, do that with a crutch. <laughs> that oh, fantastic right. walk they do with one crutch. Uh, what was the old joke when I was a CPN in Postle Park? Somebody said to me, "How much is uh, how much is aluminium worth in Postle Park?" And I'd looked at the guy. I, was like, I don't know what he meant. Twenty pound a week, son. Twenty pound a week. And it was all because of the fucking crutches and walking sticks. <laughs> That's it exactly. <laughs> who knew? Who knew? Oh, you can so, get a fair crack of speed on with some of those as well. Oh. Ed, where are we? <laughs> I don't know. It's twenty past ten, and I'm I'm getting happily drunk. So. <laughs> <laughs> we we should probably apologise for our lack of a, a um, putting the message out there, and b production this week. It has been quite a uh, it's been an odd week, <laughs> uh, both with work and uh, home life for us both, and it is also heading into our um, it's our first anniversary uh, from our first pod. So we would have liked to have marked the whole thing a bit more auspiciously and done a bit more um, kind of RMN chat and things. And we will do pods like that. We've quickly put tonight's episode together to bring everybody to get together before Christmas because it just felt like the right thing to do. Uh, we really will be doing a lot more of what we started out to do in the new year. Am I right, Ed? I probably yeah, Hopefully, I should think so. Maybe. Do you know what? Everybody just agrees that 2020 has just been a complete write-off. And Can every single plan off. that everybody's had has just gone completely wrong. This Smelly year. pants, wee pants, poopy decker. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, or something like that. That is the funniest thing of the year. It really Anyone is. Anyone who has not heard Ed's wonderful son, Kip, given at large in the underpass and the way to hospital needs to go and find uh, the time to listen to Kip just given at large because if any wee boy has had the shittest of 2020s it's Kip um, and with everything else that's been going on um, I think that yeah 2020 can just go and get itself right to fuck yeah. um, 
you know, so we didn't want to end the year with as much negativity has has been pumped into it, uh, and felt that we we wanted to bring everybody together. So we really appreciate it. We had like, I think it was 50, 51 name participants at one point. So you know that's pretty good going to bring everybody together tonight, and I really value um, you know everybody pitching up. Thank know... you to you both. You've brought some humour to twenty twenty, and we well, do thank you everybody it. for turning up. Um, thank you genuinely. Ed, are you going to do our closing? Have you written it? I, I have. I, I finally got around to, to writing it all, so I'm going to click on the music. and You should uh, all stay for this. No pressure on Ed. Oh. <laughs> you know what? Do you know what? Since, since we did our first live show, that was the first time that I managed to do the outro credits in one take. Previously, uh, <laughs> every episode before that, because uh, that, that was about episode 12 or something. And every episode before that, I would do six or seven takes of doing the outro because I would always go, thank you for listening to Fleth of and just stumble over a word like Stuart McKenzie, <laughs> you know, because it's really difficult to say, thank you for listening. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And I would keep messing it up. And when it came to the first live show, I had to just nail it in one go. And ever since then, I've done them all in one go. So uh, thank you, everybody, for make, for giving me the pressure to get it right first time. And I've now done it successfully every single time. And having said that, I'm going to screw this one up oh, so badly. Up. Don't so, fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. Nobody <laughs> gets you. to go to their bed until you nail this. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of RMN Thank Behaving you. Badly and for joining us in our wee party of telling 2020 to absolutely do one. Our gratitude to our guests, Susie McCabe, John Scott, and Susan Morrison. Thank you so much. Continue the stupid chat with us on Twitter. We're at RMNBB Podcast. Stuart is at Stewie McKenzie, and I'm at Ed Freshwater. We're also on Facebook and Instagram for some reason. And our website, rmnbehavingbadly.co.uk, is where you can find more info about us, links, show notes, and of course, all of our previous episodes. This program is brought to you by our amazing patrons, each of whom has remortgaged their homes to fund our lavish lifestyles, the poor fools. If you want to join in with them, go to patreon.com forward slash rmnbehavingbadly. In particular, our thanks go to Shelley, Tom, Alicia, Denise, Derek, Cecilia, Maureen, Daisy, Becky Hoskins, Lauren Kennedy, Jenny Lee Sims, Lee, Dave, Sally O'Brien, Sam Richards, Natalie, Ali, Katie, Paula Shields, Nat Freighter, Paul, Phil, Billy, and Shari. Thank you all so much for your generosity. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and now the big ask is this. My son Kip has been in treatment for leukemia for over three and a half years now, and a few weeks ago we got bad news that he relapsed and is now waiting stem cell transplant. Now, we're lucky enough to have a National Health Service and no bills, but there are kids all over the world where the outlook is far less promising. In some countries, the survival rates for childhood leukemia is less than 10%. So we're fundraising to help kids at home and overseas, please go to teamkit.co.uk and click on the fundraising tab and go share it around on Twitter using the hashtag smellypantswe. It'll make sense eventually. We're probably going to take a break for the rest of the year because good grief, haven't we all just had enough of 2020? But we'll be back in the new year with a bunch of episodes, interviews, and maybe even a few more live shows. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being around for our first year. And we look forward to bigger and better and brighter things ahead. 
Have a great Christmas, a great new year, and all of that kind of stuff. Stay well, stay safe, speak to you soon. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Take care, everyone. Be safe. Bye-bye. Bye.